You're watching KCMI TV. Well, good evening. I'm glad that you've been able to join us tonight. And uh, I think tonight will just uh, really be one of the podcasts that we're going to do that maybe will stand out to you. Uh, when God began to drop this in my spirit, it really took a life of its own. And so I probably spent uh, more time on tonight's uh, message than I've spent on hardly any of the other ones I've done on Wednesday night. So I, I want to talk to you tonight about uh, missed opportunities. And I think that all of us uh, look back over our lives and there's moments that we wish that we could go back to and maybe readjust or respond differently because we feel like that maybe a bad decision or a failure costs us an opportunity that uh, we still regret that we didn't get to experience. So uh, sometimes the devil will make you feel like that a mistake in the past will forever change your future. So I hope uh, with what I'm going to share with you tonight, it'll help you uh, recover your hope and uh, your belief that when you're loving God with all your heart, that sometimes God will go back in time and recapture the moments that you thought were forever gone. And so um, we're going to focus tonight on the life of Moses. And um, I, I have a lot of notes here, so forgive me if I look down a lot because I don't want to miss what I felt like the Spirit of the Lord uh, gave me. And in Deuteronomy 34.10, God is writing there and he said, never has Israel had a prophet like Moses. And so that's quite a statement when you begin to think of all the prophets that, that Israel had. And of course, we had Elijah, we had uh, David was a prophet, we had Samuel, uh, Isaiah. And yet God, when he speaks of Moses, he said Israel never had a prophet like Moses. And uh, in the 12th chapter of Numbers, we remember the story where uh, Aaron and Miriam, uh, his, his brother and sister, begin to speak against him and, you know, said, we have the same parents, we're the same bloodline, and somehow you've set yourself up above us, and we're just as important as you. And God spoke, and this is what he said. He said about Moses, he said, Moses... It's faithful in all my house. And he said, to some prophets, when I speak to them, I speak to them in dreams. But he said, with Moses, he said, I speak to him face to face. And so I want to lay a, a, just a background here to show you the uh, relationship that, that God had with Moses. And uh, in, in Exodus 33 and 11, God speaks again. He said, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. And I love this, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And uh, I remember years ago, the Lord uh, gave me a prophetic word. And in that word that I received that day, the Lord called me his friend. And I've never forgotten that. I, I can't think of uh, anything uh, that is more complimentary to an individual, a believer, than if we think that God would consider us his friend. And what an honor to be there. And so uh, in Exodus 33 and 17, again, the Lord speaks of Moses. And I'm giving you these verses because I want you to understand 
how God felt about Moses. We're laying a foundation here. And um, verse 17, uh, he, the Lord said to Moses, he said, you found grace in my sight. And he said, I know you by name. Boy, what a thing for God to say. I call you my friend. I speak to you face to face. And he said, I know you by name. In the first chapter of Joshua, when God is speaking to Joshua, he said uh, to Joshua, he, verse 1, he said, or verse 2, he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. And I thought, you know, it's an amazing thing because we've been reading the scriptures here and the Lord's called him his friend. He's called him a prophet. But when he's addressing Joshua, who has assumed the mantle that Moses had, and he's talking to him, he said, Moses, he didn't say my friend. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. And I think over all the years of serving the Lord and seeing how he operates, I think before you can be God's friend, you got to be God's servant. And that's what the Lord spoke here. When he thought of Moses, now Moses is gone. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. And it might be a greater honor uh, for God to call us his servant than to call us his friend because God will never make you his friend without you first being his servant. And, and that, that's a process, learning how to serve God. And so Moses, is, he had an extraordinary beginning. We know this. Um, in fact, uh, the Bible talks about uh, that the ark that uh, Moses was in is, or the, the basket, uh, he, he was rescued out of that. And then we know that God places him sovereignly in the house of Pharaoh and Pharaoh's own daughter raises Moses. And so his, his beginning is, is amazing. And you think about this, and he's, he's not raised for the Israelites. He's raised in the house of Pharaoh, and so he gets this exceptional um, education. He's skilled in science and mathematics and politics and all of these things that, that God is, is giving Moses the, the freedom to learn. And um, he's 40 years in the house of Pharaoh, and then he's 40 years in the desert, and then he's 40 years in leading God's people. But uh, one of the things that I've noticed that when you read about Moses' life, it was defined by mountaintop experiences. And the first time that we find that Moses has a mountaintop experience with God is he's now 80 years old. Uh, boy, I would hate to think that uh, we got to wait till we're 80 years old before God ever says it's time for you to come into your purpose. But, you know, when, when Moses was 40, uh, he thought he was ready. And he goes out and kills an Egyptian. He thinks uh, that God's people should recognize him as a leader. Uh, and God looks at him and says, you're not ready. And then for 40 years of living in obscurity and learning how to take care of sheep and live in the desert until finally... Um, his dream of being a deliverer of the Israelites died. And now um, he has this mountaintop experience and he's 
the Bible says that he is on Mount Horeb. And he is doing the same thing he's been doing for years and years. He's an 80-year-old man, and all of a sudden, a bush catches on fire on the top of Mount Horeb. And God appears to Moses and begins to speak to him. This is his first mountaintop experience. And this is where God calls him into his purpose and says, Moses, I've raised you up for this purpose. I want you to lead my people out of Egypt and out of bondage, and I'm going to have you lead them into the land of Canaan. Um, he goes to, back to Egypt, and we know that he does some tremendous miracles, and God begins to lead them out. And now the second time that we find that he has a mountaintop experience with God is on Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai is where God met Moses. He talked to him. Uh, the glory of the Lord was there. The mountains on fire. It shook. It quaked. And God begins to release to Moses the Ten Commandments. The scripture says that God with his own finger wrote on the tables of stone. And I, I just can't imagine what it must have been like to see the hand of God writing on stone with his finger all of the Ten Commandments, and then when he's finished, Moses is standing there, and God hands these Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai and says, give these to my people because this is how uh, they're going to walk with me. And so um, scholars all consider that Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb are the same mountain. So here God meets Moses on the mountaintop, gives him a burning bush experience, and then a few years later meets him on Mount Sinai and gives him the Ten Commandments. And so we know that um, he had some experiences with God that nobody else had had. And so Moses had in his life an amazing relationship with God. There was, I don't know, outside of the New Testament if any man had the relationship with God like Moses did that God, for some reason, gave great favor to this man. And in fact, I, and I know this, that maybe one of the reasons why is because I think it's, let's see if I wrote it down, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, Scripture says this about Moses. It says that he was the most humble or the meekest man on the earth. And before ever, God will place you in positions of authority. He will bring you to a place that you learn to walk in humility because leaders that are not humble really abuse God's people. And God needed a leader. This is why God put Moses in the backside of the desert because you have to learn to live where you're going to lead. And for 40 years, Moses learned what plants were poisonous and, and the snakes that were out there and where to find water when it was scarce. And he learned how to survive. And so God equipped him for the future. And so um, he's now having this great relationship with the Lord. And in Exodus chapter 33, um, I want to read this to you. And it says, um, Moses is talking to the Lord. He said, God, will you show me your glory? And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, but Moses, you cannot see my face, 
for there shall no man see me and live. And now I know this sounds like a contradiction because earlier the Lord said, I speak to Moses face to face. But it wasn't a visual thing. Uh, God shrouded his face. It was almost like seeing through a glass darkly. And the Lord told him, so the man can see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place beside me. And now we're finding again some kind of elevation, some kind of uh, mountain, because he said, there's a place beside me, Moses. And he said, you shall stand on a rock, and it shall come to pass when my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. And uh, when you read the story of Moses, this becomes very evident that he really wanted to see God. There was, there was something in, in Moses' heart. He had this extraordinary relationship with God, and he wanted to, to see the Lord. And he's asking God, he says, let me see you. And God said, I'll let you see my glory, but you can't see my face. And now when you get to Numbers chapter 20, uh, everything changes. The um, Bible said that the Lord, the Israelites, had, were crying for water. And uh, God had told Moses, he said, take your rod and, and hit the rock. And when you hit the rock, he said, water will come out. And uh, theologians all agree if you had three million Israelites and then you had the hundreds of thousands, perhaps in the millions of livestock, there was so much water that came out of that rock. We're, we're thinking in our mind just a small trickle, but literally they said it was like a small river that came out of that rock, the volume of water in order to suffice the thirst of both the man and the beast. And Moses standing there was watching supernaturally in this wilderness, this desert, all of this water coming out. So as time went on, uh, they came to another place where they're very, very thirsty. And uh, the Israelites had a tendency that every time something didn't go the way they wanted, they got mad and they would blame Moses. And so they get to a place to where uh, they're blaming Moses. They said, you know, you brought us out here in the wilderness to die. Wish we'd have stayed in Egypt. We're thirsty. And the Lord speaks to Moses, and he says, Moses, he said, speak to the rock. And he said, when you speak to the rock, don't hit it, but when you speak to it, water will come out. And Moses, uh, now remember, the Bible says he's the most humble man on the earth. He's the meekest man on the earth. And you've got to be really careful about him when you get this, especially for those of you that are in leadership. And I've experienced this myself, is sometimes the doubt and the unbelief that's in people that you lead and the immaturity and over a long period of time they don't change or they don't grow and you deal with the same problems and you get blamed for the failures of, of your church. If you're not careful, even though you're walking with God in humility, the frustration that will get in you will change your nature. And the frustration of the unbelief of those men and women that Moses was leading changed the meekest man, the most humble man, changed his nature for a moment. And the Bible said anger took over him. And instead of speaking to the rock as God commanded him, he got angry and he said, 
you want water? He said, I'll pull out of the rock. And he gets mad and he smites the rock. And when he smote the rock, water came out. Everybody's needs was met because they needed water. But God spoke to him. In, uh, in fact, let me go there. It's in uh, Numbers chapter 20. And uh, later on, if you want, you can go back and reference some of these verses that I'm giving you. Numbers chapter 20 and um, verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, he said, Because you believe me not to sanctify or to honor me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. And that day... God told Moses, now you remember he spoke to, I mean to some degree face to face, he's had an intimacy with God, God spoke to Moses like no other man. And they had this wonderful rapport and there was always Moses could retreat to the presence of the Lord. And now God looks at Moses and he said, you're not going into the land of Canaan. Now, knowing that Moses was a natural man, I have to think that and also, this is happening now just a few months before Israel's going and possess the land. I have to think that, you know, because Moses is somewhere around 120 years old. The Bible says he was 120 when he died. That what got Moses, kept him going those 40 years in that wilderness, was the thought, I'm going to get to see the land of Canaan. All of that I'm going through is going to be worth it because I'm going to lead these people into the promised land. And I think it was uh, something that drove him and encouraged him. And now uh, he's standing there and God says, you don't get to go. And um, the Lord um, told Moses, he said, I want you to come to the top of the mountain. And he took him to the top of a mountain. Again, it's a mountaintop experience. Every defining moment in Moses' life seemed to be on a mountain. He brings him to Mount Nebo. And Moses is standing there. And he's 120 years old. And God says, Moses, he said, I'm going to let you see where I'm not letting you go. And at the age of 120, um, this man stood there after being faithful to God for 40 years and just in a fit of weakness and anger, he disqualified himself. And God said, you can't go in. He said, but I'm going to let you look at it. So that day, God and, and Moses stood on top of Mount Nebo. And the scripture says that Moses looked out over the land of Canaan where he should have been going and the Lord told him, you don't get to go. And God said, Moses, he said, you're going to die on top of this mountain. And that day, God took the breath from Moses. And the scripture says that when he died, his eyes were not dim. His strength had not left. He was physically able, at 120 years old, still to fulfill his purpose. And now God stops him and says, you don't get to go because 
you smote the rock. And I have to think that that day as Moses stood and he looked at what he had lived his life for and he realized this, I'm not going. I, I, I think that maybe all the miracles he did and all the things he saw, the part of the Red Sea, didn't matter anymore. And I think that probably Moses died feeling he was a failure. That somewhere he had disappointed his best friend. And God told him, he said, you can't go. And Moses died um, not very far from the Promised Land. And he starts out on Mount Horeb in great victory with a burning bush experience. And he ends up on Mount Tabo in great disappointment. Failure feels like it. And there he dies. Now, you're thinking, Pastor Kent, boy, this is a heavy thing. It's disappointing. It doesn't make me feel good. But we're not done. I want you to go with me over to the book of Mark. And we're going to end this thing in victory, okay? Um, there's such a presence of the Lord here this evening. I think maybe you can feel it in your homes. In Mark chapter 9, verse 2, it says, And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter, um, James, and John and leads him up into a high mountain apart by themselves, a high mountain. And he was transfigured before them and his raiment became shining exceeding white as snow so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. 1,986 years later, Moses that long has thought about, I did not get to experience my greatest dream. And wherever he was, here comes an angel, looks at Moses and says, I want you to come with me. And Moses finds himself ushered by an angel. And he looks and he's on top of a mountain. And when he begins to look, the God <clears throat> that he had never got to see is standing before him, Jesus. And he sees Jesus face to face. And the Bible says that Jesus began to talk with him. And all those years that Moses thought, I messed up. I missed the opportunity in my life. God remembered his friend. And though it was almost 2,000 years later, see Mount Tabor, you know where it was? Or 
where God, the Mount of Transfiguration, um, the Mount was um, Mount Tabor. And if you look on a map, you know where Mount Tabor is? It's right in the middle. It's in Canaan land. It's in the inheritance where God said you can look at it, but you ain't going. And God goes and gets Moses and lets him stand there. See, one of the, I think, the areas of Moses' life that was frustration is he had to hang out with a high priest who happened to be his brother who was a sorry man. Um, I don't know how Aaron ever made it over with some of the things that he did, the golden calf and, and all the things. And so Moses hung out with a high priest that was a failure. But almost 2,000 years later, God comes and gets Moses and he gets to stand with the greatest high priest that's ever existed, Jesus Christ, our righteousness. And Jesus begins to talk with Moses and we've often wondered what did they talk about? I think Jesus told Moses, he said, Moses, he said, you're here. You're here. He said, look around, son. And Moses looked and he's standing right where he thought he failed. And God let that man recapture that moment. Wherever Moses is today, he lives with no regrets because God went back and got him and let him finish out his purpose. There are many of you, and I've been there, who we feel like maybe through some that we did, we have forfeited what we dreamed of. And now we're coming to an age where our high priest is calling us. And he's letting us come back into that realm that we thought we'd never come again. And he's standing there, and boy, wouldn't you have loved to have heard the conversation. And you know, it's funny because the two men in the Bible who in the Old Testament wanted to see God so bad, the other one was Elijah. And of course, he's standing there on the Mount of Carmel with, with Moses. And um, I wrote it down here. Um, Mount Tabor is where the Mount of Transfiguration was and Moses is standing there but it is also the same place where Elijah was in a cave and God came and talked to him and there was an earthquake and a great wind and a fire and Moses never saw God, he just heard the still small voice. And now all these years later, Moses and Elijah are standing with God in the presence of the Lord and he's, he's letting them see his glory. See, what Moses wanted to see in Exodus, and he said, show me your glory. God said, I'll let you see just a little bit of it. But now in the fullness, Moses is standing there and he's looking at God in his unveiled glory. And Jesus is talking with Moses, not as a servant, but as a friend. And every wound that Moses had that moment healed 
because he realized that my God's not disappointed in me anymore. I don't, I'm not sure he ever was, but sometimes we feel that way. So tonight as I end, I want you to know this, that what we think are missed opportunities might just be delays until God brings us into the fullness of what he wants to do. Uh, I guess I got a little emotional tonight. I'm sorry about that. But uh, the presence of God has, has been strong. I want you to remember in August uh, 26 through 28th, we have our ministry conference. It's going to be a wonderful time. And I believe the Spirit of God is going to be there and touch you. Um, also, our fall conference, uh, starting November 10th through the 14th, it's open for registration. You need to hurry. We don't have coronavirus this year to restrict, so we have 4,000 seats approximately, and it's already filling up. So don't wait. You know, I've had some of you say, hey, we bought our airline tickets, we got our hotel, and then they show up, and you hadn't registered. Listen, you're going to have to register to get in there. So I want you to be there. So make the appropriate preparations that you need to. And then um, this is brand new, but we're going to have a New Year's Eve service. Um, the December 31st of this year, I'm going to preach. We're going to have some tremendous talent, seniors, that are going to be there. We're going to have a marvelous time. And so I plan on that. Uh, until then, uh, I love you. God loves you. Remember, it's never over till God says it's over. Stay strong in the Lord. For more information about Kent Christmas Ministries International or Regeneration Nashville, go to kentchristmas.org or regenerationnashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.